Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. So today we did something a little bit different. Uh, This is a post-recording, pre-introduction introduction. introduction. What? I know. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, across the table from me. So it's just Justin here. I'm with uh, Haley Larson from Rockwell Automation. Uh, give us a, a little preview of what we just did and, and who the audience was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm Haley, an account manager at Rockwell. Pretty early career. And I am the tech talk chair for an early career employee resource group at Rockwell Automation. Way to catch not using an acronym. Good work. (laughs) You saw that. Yep. I was like, please, please. Don't say it. Yeah. No, good job. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I have technical topics where I talk to our group about anything really that's relative towards specifically towards early career. But I think this one was interesting for anyone. Could be right. So today's topic was around buzzwords. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, enjoy the next 46 and a half minutes or so. It's about what we wound up with. So, yeah. Anything else before we uh, shove off? Should be good. Hope you all enjoy. Perfect. Thanks. Ready to go. Ready to go. Hello, everyone. Um, I see a few more trickling in, which is great. Um, I'll kick us off here. But before I do, I need to record. I remembered. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, wonderful. Okay, so hello everyone. Um, welcome to the Advance ERG's December Tech Talk. Um, this Tech Talk will be focused around industry buzzwords. Um, but you can see here today, this is maybe isn't our typical um, structure here. You have myself and Justin, and we're going to be doing a podcast format. Um, so if people want to go for a walk, um, go throw in a load of laundry if you're at your house or anything like that, you're welcome to. You don't need to look at our faces. We're not presenting anything. We are just talking. So feel free to do whatever you need to do. Have lunch or something. (laughs) We won't pull up a document and read it to you kind of a thing? No, no. Right. No death by PowerPoint today. Um, Okay, so... Today, I'm your host. Um, I'm the Tech Talk lead for Advance. I'm also an account manager. I've been with Rockwell about three and a half years. And I'm joined with Justin Garski, who's right across the table from me, (laughs) which is a funny format. It's great. Um, Justin Garski, he is the co-host of a podcast called Automation Advocates. He just gave me a few stickers here. So that's his logo. And currently, he is the OEM segment manager for packaging, converting, and print and web for all of the Americas. But Justin, I'll let you talk a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So um, for those of you that don't know me, I've uh, been here at Rockwell for nine years. Next month, I came with the iTrack acquisition um, nine years ago. I'd do the math and tell you what year, but my brain's a little foggy. Um, prior to that, I spent a bunch of time in robotics. I worked for a, a German competitor for a little bit, um, but I've been stuck in automation and, and factories since about 1999. So uh, I've done a little bit of it. 
the nineties. For sure. For sure. That's great. Back in my day. I'll, I'll kind of do a little bit of an intro of the purpose of our chat and then we will get into it. So I mentioned a couple minutes ago, but buzzwords, industry buzzwords, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so a little bit of background here, but buzzwords, um, are terms or phrases that usually have a finite functioning life of five to 10 years. Um, usually you see buzzwords in more clickbait style articles. Um, you often see them in conference proceedings. Probably saw those a bunch at Rockwell's Automation Fair. Um, you see them less so in, in like hardcover books and that, that format. Um, they're also pretty common in job recruitment efforts. You see them in um, some of those automated uh, uh, resume application services. Um, well, and that's a weird one too. Have you right. heard about like the, what is it? The white wording or whatever, where they type in the words, but they make the font color the same as the paper so that the search engine finds it, but it doesn't necessarily show up on the on the printed format? What? No. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they're putting it in the header or the footer or whatever, but sure. it'd be like IOT, and it's like hidden. You don't see it unless mm -hmm. you hover over it. I don't know. But the recruiter is going to have that resume at the front of their pile. It'll be in the pile for sure. Yeah, which I thought was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other thing, too, having done some job interviews with people is like, that's totally not what I look for yeah. because for me, it's like, do you, do you know how to learn? Right. Can you, can you grow mm -hmm. and understand? But you're right. I think there's a lot of the, uh, just like search engine optimization stuff, right? People look for it and yeah. hit go. Yeah. So agreed. It's important in some ways. Buzzwords aren't the end all be all of success in a job. Hopefully not. <laughs> if they are, then maybe you're like vice president or president material and Sure. Yeah. Okay. So today we're teaching you how to be a future CEO <laughs> only. <laughs> right. All right. So, so oftentimes buzzwords are used. It's a new word for an old idea or an old word or phrase for an, a new idea. So it can go either way. Um, but today we're going to go through about 10 current industry buzzwords, um, just conversation style. So if anyone on the call here today, live, um, on this podcast live, has any questions or any thoughts and wants to add to our dialogue, you are more than welcome to. Um, so if you have any thoughts or questions, throw those in the chat. Alex Mansky here is going to be um, looking through those and maybe he'll pull out a few and then you're welcome to come off mute and chat about whatever side topic or anything that you want to dig into a little bit more. Um, so go ahead and do that if you're interested. Um, should should we get started with our first one? Justin, any thoughts? Yeah, let's. Uh, we can jump right into it for sure. Okay. I've got my bingo card ready. <laughs> okay, first buzzword, everyone. We are going to be talking a little bit here about big data. I think a lot of us have been hearing big data recently. Um, big data has a, a high reliance on statistics, mathematical processes. Um, so, so think away from surveys. That's not big data. That's little data. Um, big data can be Google searches. There's millions, probably billions of Google searches a day. That's big data. There's data coming from machines. 
course. In Ad, our adding to that, right? Yeah. It's uh, I, I in some of this too, right? As I think about maybe maybe we're on our way. Um, it's not you know when I think about the data that we get out of a machine today, it's not a ton yet, but mm. you've got the potential to get there, right? So. Um, on that topic, some of the things that we've bumped into as, a, as an industry is just the cost of it. Yeah. It's like we sit in these meetings and people talk about big data, data lakes, and all this stuff. And then you start peeling back the onion and you go, man, what's your Azure bill per month, right? Like, because you have to put it somewhere. Um, so I think that's a weird angle to big data. Um, and I think as you, you know, you've got listed here some examples of life sciences and healthcare and some of the analytics but man, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. How do you make sense of it? Yeah, right, right. So contextualizing this big data, which right. I think is a lot of the conversations companies like Rockwell are For having. Sure. For sure. In the industry. Yeah. But our, comp- or our um, customers and customers themselves, healthcare, yep. um, they're looking at big data in totally different ways with their customers, actual people. Right. Right. There's so many aspects. And contrary to what everybody on YouTube and the internet will say, you can't just throw it all up into a data lake and have some machine learning AI magic tell you everything that's wrong with the world, right? Like mm-hmm. today you still have to understand what you're looking at and that's kind of the data scientists, right? And I think, I don't know if it's mentioned here in the notes or not, but that's kind of the difference between what fits in a spreadsheet or a standard database versus not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you see, Justin, how do you see um, in manufacturing mm-hmm. or in our OT environments through all of our, in the industry, how do you see the future of big data really being utilized past what it is today, maybe? Oh, crystal ball time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we're, we're we're on the tip of the spear figuring out how to use it to get operations optimized, right? So we're, we're just now starting to look at, you know, wh- why did your line shut down? What's the correlation between the filler and what happens downstream at the cartoning machine or whatever else, right? We've had this data for a long time. We can go through the list of you know Fortune 100s that you and I work with on a regular basis, and a lot of them have shoved data into databases. Yeah. Not a lot of them have done much with it. Some have done a little, some have done a lot, but some of them have done nothing. Um, and I think the, the biggest piece for me, whether it's big or little, is just having actual data. Um, my biggest frustration when I used to do robot work was, hey, this robot needs to move faster. I feel like it should go faster. So I don't care how you feel, right? It's, it's not about feelings. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got a, a machine tool that takes a 59-minute runtime and the robot gets one minute to do a load-unload, load, but, you know, if I invented a light-speed robot and it could do it in five seconds, what did I save you? 55 seconds times 24 nothing right like you're not even going to get a full part out mm-hmm. um so i think it'll it'll demystify some of those feelings too and, and make it more fact-based instead of uh anecdotal yeah ag- agreed and i think kind of building on that um 
factual, real data is having that single source of truth. For sure. That's really critical. We all know the stories of operations department versus maintenance department versus someone else. They're all looking at different information. Right. The data is just, the numbers are just slightly different, not really understanding why that's happening. And the reason they're a little bit different, I think, is because they all have different purposes and different metrics, right? And and are you going to use the data to try to improve things or are you going to use it as a, you know, is it a carrot or is it a stick? Are you going to penalize the third shift because they weren't quite as good as the first shift and here I've got real data to prove it? Or do we just accept, hey, there's differences, right? People are different. Times of day are different, right? But sure. I think that's, you know, in, in I even do it at home, right? Like there's things where you you take the data and, and you massage it. It's not wrong, but maybe you've spun it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned having that single source, being able to overlay different data sets on top of each other is also interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, random fun fact, I chased a noise problem, big air quotes around this one time for about three weeks. I had a machine that would bomb out. I was out on a field service job and it wouldn't happen, wouldn't happen. All of a sudden, boom, done. Had I overlaid the train schedule, it would have been very apparent. So it was a vibration problem, probably not a electrical noise problem. Interesting. So when the train came by, it shook something and presto, we had problems. And gosh, that's such a good example of when data is big. Right. When you have everything. Right. Right. You can see that faster. Yeah. Or immediately, or maybe you as a person doesn't need to see it. Right. Yeah. And it was only luck. Like I was just, I happened to be outside probably drinking a Coke and hanging out waiting. And I went back in after the train came by Mm -hmm. and it was loud. And I went, oh, machine's down. Huh. (sighs) Right. Like how do you make that correlation otherwise? Wild. So I think it's, I think it's going to grow. I think the, the challenges for us as a, as an industry will be, what belongs on-prem, what belongs at the edge, and what belongs at the cloud, and where are those cost versus benefit gymnastics going to happen? Um, that's for business people to figure out. But <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Great story. For sure. Hey, let's move on here. Let's go to our next one. Um, Justin, omni-channel. Omni-channel. We hear omni-channel a lot, um, which is different than maybe you've heard Everyone here has heard multi-channel. So this is the environment we're in right now where we can pick up our groceries curbside. We can order them to be delivered. We can go into the store and return something that we got ordered to us, that kind of omni-channel environment. It's not just going from me clicking a link on a website and it coming to me in the store one way. It's... It's circular. Yeah. And, and this is an interesting one for me because I think we've had in, in, in a, what, what you guys don't see, right? So we'll describe this verbally, the challenge of audio only. Uh, in front of us, we've got an image and it's got, you know, a store, a website, a mobile, a social and a phone. And it's a vertical link to and from this person versus the omni channel being this circle around them. And, and We've had these pieces, right? On the left-hand side, we've had all these pieces. They've all been disparate. 
Um, but it is definitely something that uh, is evolving. And I think even, you know, being able to return your Amazon stuff to, what is it, Kohl's or Macy's? I forget right. which one, right? right? But wild idea. But mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, to help everyone out, I just threw our visual in the chat if you want to look at that. But if you're on a walk, no need. No need. Yeah. But yeah, so Justin, our customers, Amazon, for example, they're on the forefront of getting all the, the, the kinks worked out in this omni-channel sure. environment. Yep. What about specifically in the industrial controls industry? As far as how we interact with our customers? How are we interacting with our customers? How are OEMs interacting with their customers? So I think we past? we are lagging the consumer space a little bit, right? So when I think about... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even locally here in Minnesota, Cub Foods, right? So I can log into their app, I show up, I text the number, and somebody comes out with my groceries. Super cool. You can't quite do that with our stuff, right? No. Um, you probably can't do that with a lot of, like, I, I don't know that I can buy a car that way quite yet. Um, forklifts, right? Like, there, there's mm-hmm. things that it, it seems to be very consumer-centric, but I would say the amount of business transacted for consumers is is way bigger, right? Mm-hmm. From a from a quantity standpoint, not necessarily dollars, but um, I think we're we're a little bit behind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. I think it's interesting how businesses, innovative automation businesses, yeah, are behind individual consumers and what people want, what people need. Yeah, it, and I guess think about the the touch points, right? So if you're if you're a machine builder and you build 50 machines a year, maybe you build 100 machines a year. How many times do you go to a grocery store in a year or Target or wherever else, right? Like the... Twice a day. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. Especially right. in suburbia, right? Where like, oh, I'm three blocks away. I'm going to go right now because yeah. I need something, right? Yep. Um, I, I think it's just a different audience. And I think, too, the the average consumer is able to move faster because you and I don't have an ERP system, <laughs> right? That takes a decade to overhaul. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I I think it might get better over time, right? And, and we see this with, uh, who's our local distributor? Don't they have like an online portal now here that they can work with? Van Meter? Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting there, right? Um, yeah. there, are, there are pieces of it, but we're mm. definitely behind. Just slower. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, along those same that same vein, um, sort of, kind of in the distribution world. Yeah. So Rockwell and and many other spaces are um, Amazon is your classic example. There is a need to warehouse product. In order to get it to the final destination faster, more effectively, and and a lot of improvements that way. Sure. So um, the material handling industry is huge, and there's a couple different types of applications you can call them of material handling within the warehousing material handling industry, and I'll name them off here, and then we can just chat about them. Perfect. So there's five different ones that I'm going to call out here. So there's a sortation center, a distribution center, 
a fulfillment center, and within fulfillment, there's micro-fulfillment centers. There is manufacturing warehouses. Um, and then kind of along the same veins, there's airport and baggage handling systems. Yeah. That's here. Well, I think it's interesting, and I remember a long, long time ago in a place far, far away, uh, <laughs> somebody kind of gave me a, a pitch on GIS, Geographic Information Systems. And this was kind of the precursor to some of the big, big data. But the thought process was, if you're a magazine salesperson selling to customers in northern Wisconsin versus downtown Chicago, what are what are the sorts of things you want to talk to them about and sell to them, right? And I think hmm. that kind of blends into this idea of material handling of I've got a fulfillment center. So let's pick on that one first, right? That's the closest to the consumer, right? Right. What does a fulfillment center do typically? Moves a product around their facility to get it to the end consumer yep. fastest. So we've got a rack full of stuff <laughs> and we've got bags and boxes that are going to go to Haley's front door. Right. Hopefully, because we are fickle consumers, we want it in the next two hours. Totally. Maybe 24 if we're really patient. <laughs> um, but that also means you have to have an educated guess back to that GIS thought process of what what is in demand in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in December of 2022? Yeah. Not flip-flops. Christmas. Christmas. Winter clothes. Yeah. Hot chocolate. Peppermint schnapps, maybe. Ornaments. Not, ornaments, right. Those sorts of things is probably what they've stocked, right? So mm -hmm. I think seasonally they'll move things in and out of a, a fulfillment center based on mm. those bets. We can we can hedge our bets mm -hmm. and we can populate that. Or maybe to the front or to the top. Totally. Or the bottom, depending on how you're picking. Sure. Right, sure. right. And and that front front to back thing is, is an interesting one. So if you follow like... Uh, what Locus Robots is doing or what Auto Store does, um, they're running big data, AI, machine mm -hmm. learning, to figure out what things are the most picked to get them to the front. Why? Why would we do that? Efficiency. Efficiency. Because mm. it's faster, right? I don't have to go 100 yards. I go 10 yards. Yeah. Great. Let's do it. Definitely. So go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard an interesting story, actually, or a good example. So we know TikTok, right? The social yep. app. Everyone probably knows it by now. So TikTok, this is, I thought this was great. They are building two ginormous fulfillment centers. TikTok is. In what are they fulfilling? Seattle and in LA, okay. they are fulfilling third-party product. So they will be, they are, they're not yet, there is, these are coming up. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be selling small businesses product through influencers on TikTok or larger company. I mean, I don't know exact logos, but Target can sell it as well as your mom and shop, mom and pop shop down the street. And they just need an influencer to put content on TikTok and then TikTok will store whatever products these companies deem mm -hmm 
important to keep in TikTok's fulfillment center. Sure. And TikTok will send it directly to the consumer. So if we do a killer dance today wearing Sennheiser <laughs> headsets and MXL microphones in hand, uh-huh. somebody could then click on the bottom of that and yeah. go, huzzah, they I want, want the Haley and Justin kit. Stickers yeah. too. We'll ship stickers. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. And that I can only imagine the speed in which they're going to try to achieve in that fulfillment center. So here's the next question that goes along with that. How long until a legitimate B2C provider like an Amazon or Mm. another logistics company gobbles them up to say, hey, great marketing idea. Let's go. Yeah. I don't know. Because I bet that's a more expensive infrastructure to spin up than a... uh, who owns YouTube at this point? Is that a Google thing? I think so. I think so. I mean, that would have been the original place to do it, but they didn't have that there. It was always like clicking the link. Somebody says, yes, yes. thank you for confirming. <laughs> um, but that was the original place. The tech w- consultant knew. Absolutely. But it was always, hey, click on the link in the bottom, and you always had like the seller code or everything else. But I yeah. suppose if you're doing it via some sort of... Yeah social influencing app it's they were gonna monetize tiktok yeah in one way or the other that's that's clever that's clever yeah so working backwards from the fulfillment center let's talk about distribution centers let's do it what do you think what do we got more focused on b2b restocking delivering sure that space more so than fulfillment centers yep exactly that so how do we get it closer, but not that last mile mm-hmm. or, or in your neighborhood kind of a thing? Yeah. yeah. A lot more big cardboard boxes instead of eaches, right? Maybe that's the best way to think about it. Cases sure. instead of eaches. Yeah. Um, and lots of stretch wrap. Probably not as fast. Nope. Doesn't need to be either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to work at different hours too, right? So if you look at some of the way... Uh, the distribution centers and, and fulfillment centers work. A lot of that stuff is, you know, coming in later at night. A lot of, a lot of off shift type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the way it's, you know, where a fulfillment center is. Hopefully, you're getting it to somebody's house during the day, not at night. But you never know, I suppose. Right. Right. And the one prior to that, and this is a little bit different. I don't know that these are all part of the same. The next one, sortation center. Maybe more apt for like postal type mm-hmm. stuff, right? FedEx, UPS. Sure. sure. Yeah. So taking a big slug of stuff and sorting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Piece of cake. Scan yes. the barcode, send it down, shoot three. <laughs> Piece of cake. Really fast though. This um, is your world, isn't it? Uh, bits and pieces of it. Um, I'm just thinking independent cart. Yeah, so FlexLink, a uh, Rockwell customer, is doing some pretty cool stuff that they showed off at uh, Automation Fair this year. Um, It is totally happening. Um, But even prior to that, uh, a million years ago, we did a project for doing sortation of totes of mail. Uh, So it was a prototype where we went in. Have you ever seen the way mail shipped? Um, I've watched the movie Elf. So maybe kind of, that's the scientific, uh, yes. So it comes in these big, like 
picture a rack, six foot tall, four foot wide, two foot deep. Okay. And there's totes in there. But they're plastic with a cardboard lid. Usually they're banded. And they get reused. So they're beat up. There's mm. stickers all over them, right? And in uh, our job at, at the place I was working at was to pick up a layer of those things. We'd set them down. And then I had a camera, 2D at the time, and I was able to figure out which where the boxes were, pick them up, and then orient them long wow. edge down the conveyor to go through a barcode tunnel, right? So then they mm-hmm. could be sorted downstream. Mm-hmm. Um, now I see we just do that right out of the truck with some of these robots and the cameras. But uh, just for the record, I did it first. Um, <laughs> go just. But it, but it was pretty wild, right? So you see, but then you start thinking this is one crate, one one rack, and they have semi trucks and airplanes full of these totes and racks and. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's wild the volume of stuff that is uh, mm-hmm. sorted and shipped. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, let's let's take a break here. All right. We have a very important commercial break. Ready when you are. This episode's brought to you by Newton's Ninja. Do you work with load cells, pressure transducers? Newton's Ninja is a simple and nimble force verification system weighing in at less than 25 pounds. Newton's Ninja enables users to calibrate load cells and compression and tension up to 5,000 pounds of force. Each Newton Ninja's kit includes a reference load cell and a digital indicator, each with a NIST traceable certificate. Head over to newtonsninja.com, use the code ADVOCATES to get a $300 discount on any of the three sizes of Newton's Ninja kits. That's newtonsninja.com. All right, we are back, but that was Balanced Minds, a new ERG at Rockwell Automation. Perfect, perfect. Very I'm going to cool. hit one button quick. I know. You won't hear that later. Don't worry. A little movie <laughs> magic. Garski. <laughs> um, so the next one that you've got listed here is servitization. Yeah. This one is, I didn't recognize it as much, just the word itself right away. Agreed. Um, yeah. Which I thought was fun. It is Let's fun. Let's talk about something a little different. But, so... This is interesting. So servitization is the buzzword. Um, it's actually, I would call it maybe a little older. Okay. It's not, it's happening right now, but it didn't start happening right now. Sure. Let me let me give you a little bit of background for everyone here. So it's the idea of moving from selling a product to selling a capability. Um, or expanding your capability to deliver a greater experience to your customer. In our industry, what comes to mind for me first is our OEMs. They traditionally sell a machine that's put in a plant, and they wipe their hands, they're done, they walk away. Mm -hmm. That hasn't really been the focus for OEMs for kind of a while now. Sure, of well, it's still a focus, but they've um, expanded that focus to not only sell a machine, but they're selling services that come along with it, different subscriptions, softwares, whatever it may be that'll expand and improve the experience for their customer. 
Sure, sure. So, any experience with servitization, Justin? So, I believe it was Rolls-Royce, and I'm going to step on this one, but there was the concept in jet engines around power by the hour. Mm. So, you didn't buy the engine you bought the usage of the engine, yeah. right? Kind of the machine as a service idea. Yeah. Um, so that kind of fits it. But I also think like we've highlighted kind of value add pieces too. But I wonder if part of this is just the break between transactional business and maybe more relational and, mm. and deeper business, right? So I like to ride bicycles. Corey here also rides bicycles, right? And we found kind of the shop you trust, right? And and we're not talking like a $50 bicycle you bought at Walmart. Like we're, they're nice, um, kind of well-oiled pieces of machinery. But just like your car, you don't take that just to anybody. You take that to the person you trust not to destroy your well-oiled machine, right? right? Um, I, I I guess, are, are there examples? We have an age gap here between the two of us <laughs> by about four years, I think. Um, four years. Right. Um, but where, where are instances where you've not just treated things as transactional that maybe bled into this, but not quite the way we, th- we think when, and we would apply it at sure. work at work. Well, in, in your personal life though, like we've talked about the work example where this has grown, right. And we can pick on yeah. like our, our services organization, right. but are, are there yeah. other examples in your personal life where you're like this, this meant something and it is not transactional. So yeah, Definitely. And I hear about some of the classic ones you maybe heard. Um, seat heating as a service yeah. in cars. We're not going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about a different one. Okay. Because <laughs> that one makes me roll my eyes. Yeah. But another one, um, leather boots. Okay. Steel toe, often worker leather boots as an okay. example here. So brown um, or black utility boots yes okay they can be fashionable though sure okay okay if you need them to be sure so um i've noticed companies retail companies leather boots not only selling their leather boots anymore and then walking away they are (laughs) walking away (laughs) (laughs) uh they are selling their boots but then they're selling care services with those boots. So say they're, you buy leather boots, you're, you're working on the site often, um, or maybe you just walked in mud once and the white soles get dirty, Sure. whatever it may be. Um, you can purchase, whether it's a subscription model or, or something else, um, access to the, the repair service that this boot manufacturer provides. They have the expertise, they, they handle boots all day. Um, so they can, you know, you can send them in every couple months, years, whatever works for you and have them serviced, cleaned, repaired. Great idea. Yeah. And so I now think, I want those boots. Yeah. And I think back to, uh, again, it's probably dating myself. My ex-wife had Ugg boots. Mm. She loved these boots. And at one point boots. they got super like wet and kind of gross. Right. Yeah. And then the question is like, well, where do I go to fix them? How do I go get them cleaned? You just solved the problem, right? Yeah. They offer it as a service. Um, I think that's a great example. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like a warranty. No. It's not a warranty on your boots. No. And it's not something you need to buy ahead of having the need. Sure. 
you could buy it when you have the need. That being said, though, if somebody said, hey, you just bought these $200 boots and for $5 a month, call it $50 a year, sure. you can bring them in twice a year and we'll clean them. Right. Not a lot different than a service contract on a machine. If you give us $4,000 a year, mm-hmm. twice a year we'll fly somebody out and mm-hmm. they'll grease and tighten belts. Mm-hmm. Great. I love it. Yeah. Now let's go back and pick on the heated seats. You want to talk about it. Well, I think it's important and I think the the... the because when I look at the term servitization, it means there's a service being attached to it. Right. I get some sort of ongoing extra value for this transaction. Yeah. I didn't just buy the boots and then have to pay a dollar a month to have the soles on the boots. Right. Right. If I bought a car, and I'm assuming I didn't get a screaming half-price discount that you were then going to recoup over the life of the vehicle. It should just work. Because mm-hmm. I paid for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's the difference, right? That's the rub. And I think that's where, as a society and as an industry, we need to get very conscious of what we would like to do as a business and what's actually makes sense for the consumers and and the value that you provide. And Mm -hmm. and I would say, I'm going to pick on software, right? If you worked with like Adobe Photoshop or their Lightroom product before. Yep. Great product, right? And if you are a professional photographer, you probably don't mind subscribing to the super duper Adobe suite that's $100 a month, whatever. Yeah. As Justin, Mr. I take pictures of my daughter swimming and doing other things. I don't need the whole suite. In fact, I barely need anything more than the editor that's native on my phone or on my Mac. Yeah. I would love to buy Photoshop or Elements, but I don't want to pay for a subscription. Mm -hmm. I don't need the updates. I don't need the patches. I'm not worried about the security angle, right? Mm -hmm. There's an example where I think maybe in our career that might swing back i hope um unless i'm getting something really really awesome for that yeah because otherwise it just kind of stings right agreed um but i do think it's uh it is awesome and it and it builds a better customer experience yeah which is great and you mentioned it at the beginning it's that relationship totally versus sell and walk away right right um yeah, so I, I think that's a really cool one. Uh, being conscious of time here, we'll uh, we'll continue chugging through. All right, you're right. Six minutes here. Um, I want to talk about the rainbow. Yeah. I want to talk about some colors. Let's do it. I have noticed that colors are often used in buzzwords. You notice that? No, but now that you <laughs> mention it, I'm kind of scrolling through going, yeah, okay. I pulled okay. three colors. I pulled blue, green, and brown. And I can think of instances of black and white as well. Sure. Sure. Let's stick with mine. Yes. Let's stick with yours. Otherwise, we're going to veer way too far. (laughs) Okay. So blue, green, and brown. Blue ocean as a buzzword. Yes. Green fields. Yes. As a buzzword. And brown fields. Right. As a buzzword. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, I don't know. You pick. You pick. You're the boss. I said blue first. All right, let's go. Let's go. So blue ocean, buzzword that 
kind of, I, I believe it originated from a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, just talking about getting into uncontested markets or market spaces or where your competition isn't going. Sure, sure. We talk about it at Rockwell here and there. Yep, yep. And our competitors, and I think most industries have some type of blue ocean initiatives. Without a doubt. And, uh, and, and you've heard other terms attached to it, right? Blue sky, you know, Mm-mm. no, that's okay. different a little bit. I mean, it's, well, it's the same idea, right? And, and it's that, how do we go where we're not today? Right. Um, I think what's interesting about the title of that book though, is it talks about maybe potentially going where no one is. Mm. That's a whole different can of worms. Mm-hmm. I don't know that here we've applied it in that manner. I think it's go where we haven't been, sure, um, which is awesome. But that go where no one is, is that's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. That's um, getting really creative, really innovative. Yeah. Yeah. Now my head's, it's, it's I uh, know. the gears are turning. I hadn't thought about that until just now. And all of a sudden it clicked and I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Um, Deep dive. Right the sharks right past the sharks (laughs) to where there's nothing nothing and you're gonna start something new make me want to go scuba diving i've never been i have it scares me (laughs) (laughs) um but when i i guess as you as you think about that right is it relates almost to greenfield's identical so again greenfield is Greenfields is a, a, a new plant uh, starting from zero for a company. Literally in a green field sometimes. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Unless it's winter. So, okay. Why did I not put that together <laughs> in a green field, a green pasture, green yeah. field? So then a brown field is... Modifying and rehabbing. Yeah. 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 Already established. Right. Okay. So how is the manufacturing industry working in green and brown fields? I I mean, it's all about expansion, right? And then I guess you kind of have to think, uh, right? Somebody chimed in. Hence the term searching for greener pastures. Totally. Totally. That's good. Yeah. Right. That's good. Um, And and when I think about how we do it and why there's kind of that math of number one workforce, right? So do you have an existing workforce where you are? Uh, If you do probably not good to up and move your factory a hundred miles away. Difficult. Um, That might be an incentive to do brownfield. Um, Sometimes new buildings are really expensive. Mm. But also sometimes old buildings are really expensive. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of accounting gymnastics that have to happen there. Totally. I, I think of almost circling back here in our conversation with TikToks. Yeah. Sort or uh, fulfillment center. Sure, sure. They are probably an organization that's not gonna buy an existing facility and adapt it or make it their own, like a brownfield could be. Yep. They're probably going to build in a green pasture somewhere from the ground up. Maybe. 
Oh. Well, again, it's expensive, right? So yeah. you're, you're starting with brick and mortar and, and utilities and all these other things. Um, I wonder, like I think about the, so we've talked about ghost kitchens before. Um, so the idea is, have you heard of a ghost kitchen? No. Okay. Um, so the idea is, you know, maybe in the back of the Pizza Hut, and it doesn't, this isn't a plug at Pizza Hut, maybe this isn't the case. Um, you can also order like hamburgers and other stuff that shows up like via DoorDash. Oh. So you can get a hamburger from Joe's Hamburger Shack that's actually made in the kitchen at Pizza Hut, or maybe it's a dedicated kitchen mm. for eight different restaurants that don't have a storefront, right? Um, I wonder as they expand into this, are they just going to use the back corner of a Walmart warehouse and lease it out? Interesting. I don't know. Stay tuned. Maybe. I'm curious TikTok now. TikTok. Yeah. Fulfilling. For sure. <laughs> but that could be an either or, right? Because if you think about what what's a, what's a distribution center greenfield cost, you've got the building. Yeah. You've got all the machinery, the conveyance. Yeah. The software that goes with it, right? Because now you need an order entry and mm-hmm. fulfillment. It's like, mm-hmm. ugh. Mm-hmm. It's like a billion dollar endeavor. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've got a billion dollars. Assign me to that account. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Hey, Justin, we're a minute over. We're a minute over. Uh-oh. Oh, well. We can wrap it up. Yeah. That was great. That was great. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining today. Um, myself and Justin enjoyed chatting, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Anything from you, Justin? No, thanks for having me and uh, hanging out. This was fun. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, that wraps up um, Advanced ERG's Tech Talk, um, industry buzzwords, podcast style. Um, Thank you all for listening. All right. Thanks. Goodbye, everyone. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.